I'm so excited to welcome not only a fellow coach and podcaster, but also a fellow health coach to the arena today. My guest is Elizabeth Sherman, a master certified life and health coach for midlife women. She's also the host of the Done With Dieting podcast, where she helps women manage their body hormones through lifestyle and behavioral interventions. Welcome to Man in the Arena, your go-to podcast for all things related to health and weight loss for men over 40. Here we discuss strategies that will get you off the sidelines and into the game so you can achieve your optimal health. It's time to lead a legacy of longevity. Elizabeth, welcome to the arena. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be here in the arena. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm excited that you're here because not only are you going to be a different voice uh, with a similar message to my guys who are listening today, but you work with women. And I know there's a lot of guys who are listening to this, who have partners in their life, who have women, you know, girlfriends, wives, partners, whatever that is, uh, who are might be struggling with their health and they're experiencing perimenopause and menopause. So I know you'll be able to offer a different perspective and really help guys maybe nudge their partners a little bit and help them uh, take some different course of action. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have our conversation because you were just on my podcast. So let's see what the other side happens. Exactly, exactly. So I had a coach in university who encouraged us as future coaches to develop our own unique coaching philosophy. So as a coach yourself, what is a philosophy that you sort of have created and one that kind of impacts your clients to help them achieve their sort of desired outcomes? Yeah, it's so funny um, that you're asking this because I just got off a call with one of my clients and basically, well, there are a couple different avenues or themes that go through my coaching. One is you do not have to be perfect. You can totally half-ass diets and do pretty well. (laughs) My podcast is called Done With Dieting. And I think that that's important because so many times we think that when we start a diet that we have to follow it to the letter. And my philosophy is take what you like, discard what you don't, and you can probably go pretty far with that. So that's one. But where also that plays in is having self-compassion and creating self-trust. Something that we talked about on my podcast was that when we bite off more than we can chew, we become overwhelmed and then we stop doing the thing. And so we have all of this fear and doubt in our heads of our future competencies. And what I want to suggest is that we really, um, the past does not equal our future. And we can actually be compassionate with ourselves and build self-trust at the same time. Many people don't like hearing that because we think that when I'm compassionate with myself, then I'm going to let myself off the hook. Mm. And if I let myself off the hook, if I believe my own excuses, then I'm not going to put my fire to the or feet to the fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to achieve my goals. 
But I think that just like you would talk to your kid, you can actually have compassion for them, make them do whatever it is. So, hey, kid, like, bud, this is the third day in a row that you haven't eaten your vegetables and you've been eating sweets. You know, what's going on? Like really yeah. being compassionate from with a place yourself. of curiosity and compassion yeah. and trying to help them. Yeah. It's, it's something that shows up a lot in the guys that I coach, right? They're very driven. They're very successful in a lot of ways. Um, and what's really helped drive that success is this sort of striving, this ambition, but also this, like they beat themselves up and they, they have this sort of, you know, if I show myself compassion, that means I'm going to be complacent. And then there's this yes. complacency that's going to just settle in and I won't be as driven. I won't be as successful. And so in a way that served them, but right. it's come at a cost. So like, how do you help your clients, your women navigate that sort of bridge between, you know, um, being driven through ambition and fear and, and striving towards being compassionate and not being complacent? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I like to equate it to work. So we've all worked in lots of different places. And for your listeners, I'm sure you've had a job where you've had a really crappy boss, like a boss who was a hard ass, who was mean to you, who maybe took credit for something that you did, who demanded a lot, and then didn't give you any praise afterwards. That guy's kind of a jerk, right? When you have a boss who's like that, you don't want to perform for them. In fact, generally, we want to undercut them. We want to like, yeah, I don't know, like sabotage them, right? We want their bosses to find out what a jerk they are without us having to go to that person and be like, hey, Bob isn't doing a great job, right? I think the same thing happens within our own brains. Like, we don't want to perform for ourselves when we're being a jerk to ourselves. And so one of the skills that I teach with my clients is called self-trust. And many of my clients come to me and they're like, I have no idea what that even means. All I know is that I'm not consistent. I'm not disciplined. I set a goal to, you know, eat vegetables or work out five days a week or whatever. But, you know, I don't follow through. And so the three pieces to building self-trust is one, don't be a jerk to your future self. Set your future self up for success. Mm, and one of the tools or the ways that we do that is through asking, okay, so today I was going to eat a salad, but I don't have any vegetables. What could my past version of myself, I talk a lot about my past, present, and future versions mm. of myself within my practice. And so what could the past version of Elizabeth have done for present day Elizabeth that would have made me, made it possible to follow the plan? Okay, so what is that? Maybe it's go to the store. Maybe it's put in an order for Instacart, whatever it is. Do for future Elizabeth. So do today what you need to set your future self up for success for. Then the second part to building self-trust is following the plan. 
When you set things out that are easily achievable, following the plan then becomes easy. So many of us around New Year's, we're coming up to New Year's in a few months, we'll, we'll bite off these huge goals mm. of, I know that I'm not working out right now, but January 1st, I'm going to start working out an hour. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out for an hour every single day. Well, maybe we need to break that down a little bit. Maybe we need to just go for a walk. And now everyone right now is thinking, but Elizabeth, that's not going to get me to my goal. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not going to get you to your goal. But what it is going to do is it's going to start building the skill of self-trust so that when it comes to the next day and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to go to the gym or go for my walk or whatever it is, I just have to do the bare minimum and then do it the same thing next day and so on and so forth. Now, here's where the third part of building self-trust really comes in is maybe your kid was up all night and you then have been up all night. So therefore, you probably need to sleep in a little bit. Building the skill of self-trust also comes on the back end. So when you don't follow the plan that you had set out for yourself, so it's walk at 7.30 in the morning, and 7.30 in the morning comes, your alarm goes off, and you're like, oh, I've gotten three hours of sleep. I'm making a conscious decision not to follow the plan. The third part of building self-trust is then not being a jerk to yourself, going back to the inner critic, mm -hmm. not being a jerk to yourself because you consciously made a decision not to follow the plan. So having your own back on that backside. That's such a great point. I love how you've laid all that out too. Like self-trust is so important, especially when you're afraid that if you're, if you are compassionate to yourself, then you're going to get complacent, right? So building that self-trust is such an integral skill to creating a long-term sustainable practice of, of health, right? I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was really well yeah. said. So kind of shifting gears here a little bit, um, you know, we know about the importance of in order to lose weight, we need to stop overeating, right? Obviously, yeah. not only for weight loss, but for our overall health. That's one of the main tenets I talk about is helping men understand why they overeat in the first place, right? I would love to hear your perspective on this. And I know you could speak a lot on this, but what are some sort of bullet points you could offer to the listeners? And we're going to get into women's health stuff in a minute, but th this applies as well. But in your opinion, why do, why do uh, men and women overeat? Oh, wow. That's a huge question that we could probably <laughs> spend an entire hour on, but right. I will try to answer it concisely. So one, it can be learned. So I know that growing up, I was asked at the end of dinner time, are you full? And so I thought that at the end of a meal, I had to be full. Just as an aside, one of the, I have a um, an opt-in, a freebie that is available to everyone listening and your partners called the eight basic habits that healthy people do, where I lay out eight basic habits that if you do these eight things, they are the foundation of health. And if you do them, you will probably be healthier than most people. One of them is eat 
just enough, not too much. And so when I was growing up, I was overeating, not realizing that I need, I could be okay at satisfaction. So one is it's learned. Two is it can be emotional. So we eat when we're bored. We're eat, we're eating to have fun. And emotional eating isn't necessarily a bad thing across the board. We don't want to give up emotional eating altogether because we do celebrate as a culture with food. And so that's okay. What I think most of us want to do is get rid of the unconscious emotional eating. And so really becoming aware of when I am at the pantry and I'm rummaging around and it's not really on my schedule to eat, why am I here? What am I feeling? Am I bored? Am I anxious? Am I sad? Like, why am I here? And then deciding, okay, now that I know that I'm not hungry because I've checked in with my body and I'm not hungry, I'm just doing something. Do I want to follow that plan? Do I want to follow the emotional eating? Okay. And then the third piece is hormonal. So I have a really good story about this. I have a client who, when we started working together, she was like, I don't eat breakfast. And at some point, I kind of convinced her, let's start eating breakfast. And so she was having like eggs and some other high protein stuff. She went on a business trip and at the business trip, one day she found herself at three o'clock in the company pantry eating pretzels like they were going out of style. And she was like, this is not me. What is going on here? And we traced it back to the fact that she ate breakfast at the hotel buffet. By all accounts, she had a really healthy breakfast. She had oatmeal and she had yogurt. But there wasn't enough protein in that meal in order to sustain her. Now, many of us will look at the pretzels as an isolated incident and see that as, oh, I'm weak or there's something wrong with me. But one thing that I really like to do with my clients is allow them to connect the dots that our behavior. So one, meals are not made in isolation. And previous behavior will impact future behavior. So if you, another way of looking at that is if you don't sleep well, the cells in our bodies don't regenerate properly. And so what might happen is that you'll get those three o'clock munchies as well because you're getting sluggish, you're getting tired, and your brain knows that the easiest way to get energy is through carbohydrates, fast carbohydrates, right? And so I think that there are a number of reasons why we overeat. Well, I love that last saying that meals aren't made in isolation. And I teach that. I've never explained it that way, but I'm going to borrow that if that's okay. Because I, I totally agree. Like our sleep impacts the energy demands we have throughout the day. It impacts how we regulate our hormones, our hunger hormones, uh, insulin. So there's all these different factors at play here. And so I think the guys listening to this, you know, this will be a great way for them to understand, like, I'm hungry, you know, middle of the afternoon. Oh, okay, let's let's kind of walk the cat back a little bit here and look at, well, did I have enough protein for lunch? Did I have enough protein for breakfast? 
Did I, you know, sleep well? Am I stressed? Am I overstressed here? Is it, you know, so I love that. Meals aren't made in isolation. So that's a great one. Um, one of the main reasons, obviously, I wanted to have you on today was for my guys who are listening to this to give them a different perspective about what their partner might be going through as they age, as they're, you know, reaching the age of 40 and beyond with respect to perimenopause and menopause so that, you know, my guys have a better understanding about what their partner is going through, right? Knowledge is a good thing so that they can better support them or offer them better resources or even connect them with you. So can you kind of talk about, you know, for those of us who are unfamiliar with the terms peri and menopause, what that means and explain just kind of what's happening and how that impacts a woman's body and mind? Okay, that's a big question, but I will do my best. So what we're talking about here is basically kind of a reverse puberty. So menopause and perimenopause are your body's way of moving out of the reproductive years. So my husband, God bless him, when we were talking about it, when I was going through perimenopause, He's an engineer. And he was like, that sounds like a design flaw. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, male so brain. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's happening in the body is that your partner's um, hormones are going all over the place because we're moving out of the reproductive years and the body doesn't need estrogen and progesterone as much as it needed it before to produce eggs and to carry a healthy baby. And so that is fundamentally what is happening. Now, the symptoms of what's happening in her body are not only affecting like hot flashes, insomnia, and night sweats, and moodiness, and all of that stuff, but there's also aging to consider here as well. Something that I want to share with the listeners is that women are socialized very differently than men are. When women are raised from young girls, we praise young girls for being attractive. And being thin in our culture is generally how we become attractive. And I think that that's actually really important because for so many women, we have this disordered relationship with food and our bodies. And why that's important is because when we're moving into this aging, we're moving out of being a mom and into menopause, our quote unquote looks are fading as well. We put a lot of pride into our appearance. And so as we get older, because American culture also doesn't, is very ageist. Let's just say that, that we are ageist, that older people don't really have as much use, right? And we, it, it's starting to change, but there's so much going on with her, not only just physically, but also emotionally and mentally, because she's also just completely understressed with everything that's going on in the household, probably with work as well, 
and socially. That being said, perimenopause is the time of that a woman starts, uh, the hormones start to adjust until there's one point where she, menopause is actually one day, okay? Um, you're either perimenopausal or you're postmenopausal. So perimenopause is the time where a woman's cycle is starting to slow down. And then once she has not had a cycle for one year, she is then officially in menopause. Now, here's the other thing. The, um, so menopause is one day in time. Menopause or perimenopausal symptoms can happen 10 years before that one day and last another 10 years after while the hormones are still regulating. Horm women's hormones can be really sensitive, so much so that I hear it all the time that women will go to their doctors and say, am I perimenopause? Am I starting to go through this? And their doctors will say, your labs are fine. And they know that something is wrong with them, but they can't explain it. And getting the tests then signify that, oh, okay, this is it. But when the doctor comes back and says, no, your tests are fine, that can be really confusing for women. Oh, I imagine, and, yeah. And so these are just some of the things that are happening with the women in their lives. Sure. No, I no doubt it's a complex topic to discuss. We could spend hours on it, I'm sure. Um, you know, for the guys that are listening here, just giving them that sort of insight and what's going on, you know, obviously very um basic level, but still having that understanding is key, having that awareness. And so as our partners go through perimenopause and menopause, what are some insights, some ideas, some suggestions that you can offer as to like, how do we best support our partners in this, through this process, right? I mean, obviously yeah. awareness is number one, having awareness and understanding, but what else right. from there? Yeah. Well, I think it depends on the relationship, but you know, culturally, we don't like talking about women's cycles. Right. We don't like talking about blood. We don't like talking about periods. And so many men are kind of squeamish about it, right? But it, we're yeah, it's really not talking not about it. It's easier not to talk about it. Yeah, it's not exactly. easy. Exactly. You know, just like we know about our emotions, it's easier not to feel these emotions, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so typically women will need to have like, like when we're talking about night sweats and hot flashes. So first of all, something that I do want to mention is that I help women manage much of their hormonal symptoms through diet, exercise, sleep, and stress management. There's a lot that we can do as far as lifestyle goes to manage our symptoms. Hmm. Um, and I think that creating a good relationship between um, your doctor and your partner or having a good relationship there can also be really good. Now, that being said, hormone replacement therapy is something that a lot of doctors shy away from. And so I think that in terms of supporting your partner is supporting her in making 
the decisions that are right for her and her body. So like if she's not getting the support that she needs from her doctor, encourage her to find a doctor who will. Because we need to be the advocate for ourselves, for sure. Right, right. No, that's great advice. And I think just in general, like we need to advocate for ourselves uh, across the board, right? And, and nothing against doctors. Um, they're obviously very busy. They have a lot on their plate. And so sometimes we need to step up. I mean, my father, he just got out of the hospital from a bout of pneumonia. And, you know, we had to advocate in, uh, in a lot of ways for his care. So, um, and but he did receive great care. Nothing against the the doctors and nurses themselves, but absolutely advocating for your own health is a, a great message. Um, and know, let me jump yeah. in for with one other thing. Be aware that your partner's eating habits and lifestyle habits may change because of perimenopause. So an example of that is that before. I could easily drink three glasses of wine and go to bed. <laughs> Today, I can't do that. Yeah. And so my drinking, my alcohol consumption has changed. And that has impacted my relationship with my partner. We just went to Italy. And wine is something that we've really enjoyed doing together. And I really could not partake like we used to. Um, I find that. I can't eat sugar. I can't eat flour like I used to. And so I don't like going out to certain restaurants because not that there's nothing that I can eat, but I'm really protective over my future self, like I talked about at the beginning of the interview. And so I'm not going to eat a bunch of stuff that's going to make me feel bad because I want to feel good. And yeah. so I just wanted to put that little plug in there that if she starts changing her eating habits, it's not about you, but being supportive of that is really going to help. Totally. And and not going to a place of shaming them or criticizing them and, you know, things are different, right? Um, yeah. Supporting that and sort of uh, collaborating. What can we do together? What can we do that uh, supports both of our our passions or needs or whatever it is? having that conversation. And I think that's maybe one of the, the main themes of this, this talk and this discussion is that uh, we need to be more communicative ultimately, not so avoidant of this discussion and what's going on. And um, yeah, be open to that guys, that, that this is happening and it, you know, nothing's going wrong. This is all part of the process. Let's, let's embrace it. Not uh, shame anyone or, or yeah. Um, Elizabeth, this has been fantastic conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Just to, you know, some insights, word of wisdom, something that's come to mind as we've talked today or something that you thought about before we got on the call that you can share with them that, that they'll take and ponder and, and sort of, uh, you know, just, just think about some more as they go forward. Yeah. So, okay, here's one thing. This is fascinating to me that talking about estrogen. So as we get older, uh, women, um, our estrogen levels drop. And there is some scientific evidence to suggest that higher estrogen levels were necessary for women because then we would reproduce. And the byproduct of that is being nice and amenable. 
as our estrogen levels drop, you'll find that women in their 50s and late 40s stop giving a shit. Like, (laughs) they're like, I've helped you enough and I'm over it. Unfortunately, that woman is not coming back because of hormonally, it just isn't. But that being said, if you can make it through this menopause, perimenopause phase, you will get your wife back. I shouldn't say wife, partner. Yeah. Interesting. No, that's, I, I, I think that's such a, a great insight because um, guys, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think stereotypically, we just don't know. We just don't understand. And so we need to be open to this information and what's going on, right? We can't just isolate ourselves, which guys love to do, cocoon, and just wait for everything to be over. It's like, how can you be part of the process? How can you support? How can you nurture? That's where we can really step up and uh, and help our partners out. So this has been awesome. Where can the guys who are listening to this or guys are sharing this with their own partners, how can they find you? How can they learn more about you? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Instagram at Done With Dieting Podcast. And I'm on uh, LinkedIn at Elizabeth Sherman. I'm also on uh, Facebook at Total Health by Eliz. And my website is elizabethsherman.com. And if you wanted to get that uh, download that I was just talking about, just go to elizabethsherman.com slash habits and you can get it there. Wonderful. And what do you got going on? Like, is there any programs that you're offering? Any coaching? What, what's, uh, what do you got going on? Well, we're moving into the holidays. So I think that I'm not going to do anything until probably January. And then um, I'll do some information sharing about how to be done with dieting, because that's a lot of what I do with my clients. Like, how can we be healthy without feeling like we're doing like following a rigid set of rules? And how do we find uh, the habits that are right for us and our body because everyone is completely different. Excellent. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. If you're ready to step inside the arena and change the trajectory of your health, head on over to thespearmethod.com and download my free guide to learn simple and effective strategies on how to optimize your health today.